Welcome to China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. It's not so long ago that Europe's most revered politician, outgoing German Chancellor Angela Merkel, was hailed as China's old friend by Xi Jinping. The mood between China and Germany is much less friendly now. Miss Merkel says that Germany placed too much faith in cooperation with China and was therefore naive. It's not just Germany which is resetting its relationship with China. A similar process is occurring across the European Union. And at the same time, President Joe Biden is seeking closer ties with European democracies. Mr. Biden recently said the EU and the US will continue to be the closest of friends and partners. Well, I'm pleased to say that we have an excellent guest on the podcast today to help us to understand where Europe sits amidst the great power rivalry between the US and China. I'm delighted to welcome back to the podcast Professor Hans Ball, Senior Associate from the Mercator Institute for China Studies in Berlin. Hans, welcome back. Good to be back, Duncan. Hans, I want us to focus on the future, thinking ahead to what's in store for relations between China and Europe in 2022. But before we do that, let's briefly look back. What changes have you noticed in the relationship between the EU and China since the outbreak of COVID in Wuhan in late 2019? I think there's been very significant change and really both at the level of public opinion and public perceptions of China and more importantly, uh, at the level of governments at the European Union uh, as an organization. And I think you could characterize those changes as saying collectively the European Union has abandoned its rather rosy view of China and rather hopeful view of China, which, which existed before 2018. Uh, and the new strategy uh, of uh, Europe has been characterized by this famous uh, phrase of partner, competitor, rival. And that has been sort of the compass which uh, the European Union has followed and will continue to follow, I think, uh, over the next uh, months. A tougher line uh, commercially on trade and investment with China, on scrutinizing investments from China and the European Union, and it's interesting, I think, particularly interesting, perhaps, that the honeymoon which was enjoyed by China in Eastern Europe with its 16 plus one partnership with several Eastern European Union member countries and a number of other non-European Union, Eastern European countries, that 16 plus one partnership for several of the members of the European Union has soured rather significantly. The European Union is made up of 27 countries, and of course, they don't all speak with one unified voice on foreign policy. Which of those nations do you see as being most friendly towards China? And which countries are more confrontational, if I can say that word? Well, I think confrontational perhaps is overstating it. Uh, I mean, none of the uh, countries with a tougher line on China want to have a confrontation with China. But uh, they want to have a clearer emphasis on the problematic challenges which China poses. And that camp, I think, is basically France, Germany, and the Netherlands. Um, and perhaps some of the Scandinavian countries as well. If you look at the countries which are most uh, friendly towards China, it's uh, Hungary, uh, it's Slovakia. Then you have countries which are kind of in between the Southern European countries in particular, where 
China isn't a big issue yet, uh, at least at the political level. Uh, you have in those countries too a deterioration of China's image in Europe, but governments really haven't done much about that so far, and China hasn't really been very visible in the public debate. So that would count Spain, to some extent Italy also in this camp, uh, Portugal. So we have really three camps. We have the hardliners, relatively speaking. We have those who are soft on China and still enamored to closer economic relations with them. And then you have an in-between camp of countries which haven't really thought very much about that politically about China so far. President Joe Biden has been clear that his approach is to try to restore the relationship between America and its friends and allies, repairing damage which is being blamed on Donald Trump. Do you think this offer of friendship with the United States carries an anti-China message? That seems to be pretty clear to me that it is. It really uh, it is a great deal of continuity in terms of the overall assessment of the China problem, the China challenge, or in America, people would even talk about the threat from China, uh, and uh, the uh, objectives to be pursued, where the differences are and the differences with Europe are likely to be in the future is what conclusions do you draw from this assessment and from the objectives which you have defined, and how do you think you would best achieve those objectives. But clearly, I think the Biden administration wants to continue to contain China the way the Trump administration um, tried to do that, or I should rather say following similar objectives uh, to the Trump administration, though perhaps going about this differently. And of course, you know, the key message of Biden has been America is back, and that meant being back in alliances and international organizations. And very much the transatlantic alliance uh, in this is something that Biden administration is focusing on. What about China's efforts to improve its relations with EU countries? I'm thinking, for example, about the export of masks and personal protective equipment to try to stem the spread of COVID. How effective do you think Chinese diplomacy has been in this regard? You know, we talked about the deterioration of public opinion uh, in Europe uh, towards China. And I think uh, mass diplomacy, COVID diplomacy of China has been a big issue in that context. There's a widespread per uh, perception in Europe that uh, China really has not been a good partner in the COVID uh, pandemic situation by, uh, you know, rejecting a, um, um, a fair international uh, inquiry into the causes of that uh, that's been noticed in Europe. And then the masks supplied by China, uh, it turned out that some of them were deficient, they had faults, uh, they were promised as gifts, but in fact, then governments and people had to pay for them. So the mask diplomacy and the COVID diplomacy really backfired. And I think from China's perspective, it backfired. And I think it has been a major part of this deterioration of the public image of China in Europe. I'm currently doing some work for The Economist, and one of the themes that we look at constantly is when or how China will overtake the United States to become the world's largest economy. What's your view on that, and how do you think it could impact the European Union? The answer to this question, you know, when will China overtake the United States depends on the measures you use. And I remember that the CIA fact book uh, had the Chinese economy as bigger than the United States economy already for a while. 
they were using purchasing power parity uh, indicators. So it really depends how you do your sums on this. And frankly, while I can see that this would have a big impact in the United States, I think in Europe, this is not really much of an issue. It's not going to make much of a difference. Um, you know, the basic fact is that for now, the American economy, the Chinese economy, and the European economy are roughly equivalent. The Europeans, I think, by and large, large are resigned to the fact that this equivalence will change towards the detriment of the European Union. The European Union will fall back, relatively speaking, behind China in terms of overall size of the economy. But frankly, I think this is not something which is going to move the Europeans very much. They, they know this already. They are resigned to this uh, and uh, their concerns are elsewhere. So um, perhaps it's also an expression of the fact that you don't really have a European nationalism. You know, you have nationalism in countries, but a collective European sense of identity is still in the making. It's not yet a fact. Oh, absolutely. We know about that in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> when I attend meetings with people from Europe who do business with China, uh, one of the issues that they often raise is trust. They're not sure if the rules are going to change, especially as the Chinese government appears to be regulating many business sectors much more tightly than it used to. What's your perspective of the EU-China relationship in terms of the ease of doing business? European business is uh, sort of in two minds about this. Uh, on the one hand, they increasingly recognize the problems with China along the lines which you indicated with your question. You know, there is concern about to the extent rules are bent in favor of Chinese companies and to the detriment of European companies operating in China or even in third markets, uh, you know, the subsidies issue. Um, there is concern about uh, a tendency clearly perceived by European business of China to turn inward. You know, the key phrase here is this notion of dual circulation, which does not imply, if I understand it correctly, that China would withdraw completely from interactions with the rest of the world, but that it would be more cautious, more desirable to reduce vulnerabilities and emphasize the domestic part of the circulation aspect. And that might well work against European importers, certainly, and possibly even to the detriment of European companies invested in China. So there is this concern on the one hand, there's also a concern expressed what this would do to the longer term economic prospects of China. If you have more and more political influence in business and economic activities, and if state control and party control takes over as the most important aspect of economic policy making, and there are signs that this is happening here, so that's worrying. And it might even have an impact on China's growth trajectory, and that's something which European business also recognized. On the other hand, there is this remaining allure of the Chinese market and its growth potential, its growth prospects, even if the growth rates might be lower than in the, in the, in the past, it's still uh, a market where many European companies feel they simply cannot afford to uh, remain distant from or, or, or take distance from. And not only because of uh, the you know, the, the level of demand, future demand for products from European companies, which you can expect, but also because the, uh, the, the Chinese market is going to be crucial in terms of technological innovation. Technological innovation 
is going to happen there. And you have to be, from the perspective of a European company, you have to be in that market to test your ability to compete elsewhere. Hans, I'm going to draw the conversation to a close shortly. But before I do, you're in Berlin. And when we spoke recently, you explained to me how Chancellor Olaf Scholz will take a distinctly different approach towards China to that of his predecessor, Angela Merkel. How influential do you think the German government is in terms of setting the foreign policy of the European Union? Uh, In part, that will depend on how well uh, Olaf Scholz himself plays his role as Chancellor and primus inter pares in the European Councils. Uh, But in part, I think it also simply will reflect the fact that Germany is the biggest country in the European Union, it's the biggest economy, and traditionally it just in many areas, and China policy is no exception, uh, Germany has been influential. In the past, the role of Germany in commercial dealings and economic policy towards China really has been insisting on on a positive slant towards China and the relationship with China to protect the interests of the German industry, uh, you know, heavily invested in China, car industry, chemical industry, machine tool industry, all very important parts of the German economy. And we'll see how that plays out in the future. I think there's a good chance that with this new Uh, government, with this newly composed government, um, there will be a a, a change uh, in the approach towards European China policies. Uh, It would be already progress if Germany simply supported the Commission's line on China, but you could envisage even Germany pushing harder and pushing the European Commission itself to become a bit tougher on China. Hans, thank you so much for your insight on this range of issues. I have a feeling that 2022 is going to be a very significant one in terms of China's international relations, not just in terms of Europe, but with the rest of the world too. That's Hans Maul, Senior Associate Fellow at the Mercator Institute for China Studies, on the line there from Berlin. This podcast is produced by the SOAS China Institute, part of the University of London. And you can find out more about our courses and research at soas.ac.uk. But for now, that's all from us here at the China in Context podcast team.